Father, on this fourth Sunday of Advent, as we think about peace and hope, and as we open your word, by your spirit, would you speak to us? I know that everyone here needs to hear from you, Lord. And so I pray for an openness, a receptivity, and I pray that we would be changed because we listened to your word and we obeyed your spirit. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, centipede, a hundred legs. Millipede, a thousand legs. And yet, until 2021, the largest millipede we had found only had 750 legs. There were no millipedes. There just wasn't a good term between centipede and millipede to say 750. And then in 2021, 200 feet below the surface of the earth in Australia, scientists discovered the first real millipede. 1,300 legs and four inches long. So if you can just imagine how tiny those little legs are. But 1,300 legs on this little thing. Why? Why do you need 1,300 legs? The explanation that was given seems reasonable. The terrain that this thing traverses under the earth is so uneven and all these different things, and you can see it, like it can have its body up, part of its body up here, part of its body down here, part of its body over here, and still moving through all of it. Those legs seem to be the provision that allows this thing to live its life. And when I read that, I thought, how many of us need God's provision to live our lives, to traverse what we have to go through in life. We need his provision. And we need his provision to even serve him in the way he wants us to serve him. So I hope you can relate to this. Sometimes serving the Lord brings great joy, satisfaction, Sometimes it makes you feel like this is exactly what I was created for. And yet at other times, serving the Lord is hard. Sometimes it's overwhelming. I mean, Jesus described it as, if anyone wants to follow me, he must deny himself, take up his cross, and follow. If you've read through Paul's life, you will know he went through some very, very challenging things in his life. From starvation to shipwrecks to being stoned. If you go into the book of Hebrews, there's a chapter that talks about the most faithful people of the Old Testament. And the author describes them mostly in relation to what they suffered. Sometimes it's hard to serve the Lord. And we need his provision 
to do it. We're doing a series on hope. Here's the hope for today. God gives provision to his saints, to his children, in order to serve him. And it's what we see in the life of Joseph. And it's what God wants to do in our lives. I want to invite you to open up your Bible to Matthew chapter 1. And you will find them in the pews. Uh, I'm not sure how far back they go, so those furthest in the back, you might have to grab one from a pew a little closer. Matthew chapter 1. God provides what Joseph needs in order for Joseph to serve the Lord. He does the same for us. That's our hope. It's on page 1374, right at the beginning of the New Testament. Matthew chapter 1. Let's see what God provides for Joseph. Matthew chapter 1, beginning at verse 18. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged, and we read about this when we talked about Mary. They are engaged. There's a formal contract in their lives, but they have yet to consummate the marriage and make it official. He is pledged to be married. Um, he is pledged to be married to Mary, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, there are certain surprises that we like, and there are certain surprises you don't ever want to have. Notice that language. So Mary went to spend a few months with her relative, Elizabeth, and then she came back and was found to be pregnant by her soon-to-be husband. This apparently was not a conversation. This was more of a, you have maybe gained a little bit of weight or something has happened here because this isn't right. And he discovers she's pregnant. And what does Joseph know? It's not his. Please keep that in mind for this account. So, what happens? Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her. Consider the language. Again, this is a formal contract to divorce her quietly. So this is what Joseph is doing. If your spouse or your soon-to-be spouse is unfaithful, the thing you must do, especially in a culture like this, where honor and shame are very, very significant, especially if you're a carpenter with a business, he needs to distance himself from this. He needs to do the righteous, holy thing and say, I am getting rid of you. And really, he should be doing it publicly so that everybody is aware. And that way, he can go, I had nothing to do with this. My honor is intact. It's all on her. It's not exactly what he does, and we'll come back to that in just a few minutes. He does something a little different. Verse 20, God steps in. Here's the provision. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. 
God is stepping in here. God is providing what Joseph needs so that Joseph can follow the Lord. Because what, can, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. All right. God knows what Joseph is about to do. Joseph is about to do what any righteous Israelite should do. He needs something from the Lord. And so God comes to him in a dream and says, I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to provide what you need in order to serve me, in order to do what I'm calling you to do. Here's the problem in my mind. Personally, the provision I want from God looks something like this. A number of years ago, when one of my boys was almost three years old, he walked out of our laundry room, and he was holding this dark cylinder thing in his hand. And he walked up to my wife and me, and he said, what's this? And both of us, about the same time, noticed that it had cat litter on it. Yes, it's exactly what you think it is. And as it registered, my wife, what? where did you get that? Um, in the laundry room. And why were you there? Now, you need to picture this. Our cat box was this big, giant kind of cave thing. And you had to crawl back into it so that it would protect the cat and not get cat litter out. For him to get this, you can imagine. And his response was this. It was a good place to hide. So immediately, my wife grabs the child and grabs an entire bottle of disinfectant and just begins to shower him in it to make sure he is completely clean. And here's the thing. By the end, he was completely clean. Like that. The cylinder was put where it belongs. The child was disinfected. There were new safety protocols put in place to make sure that was never a hiding place again. And it was all just handled. That's the kind of provision I want from God. When I come to God with poop in my hands, I want him to just fix it. I want him to go, here it is, done, good, move on with your life. But so often, that is not how God does it. Think about Noah. There has never been rain. And God says, go build a giant boat. And he has to sit out there for weeks and weeks building a boat when there's never even been rain. Now, he needed that boat. That was going to be the provision. But it could have been easier than that. Think about Abraham. Abraham, I want you to get up and leave your family, your inheritance, the business, everything. Go to a place I'm going to show you that you've never been, that is hundreds of miles away. And when he gets there, God is silent for two decades. God just often doesn't do this. <laughs> he doesn't just fix it. 
He provides, but he doesn't just fix it. And I think about Joseph here. Okay, I actually had a dream last night. My dream last night, there was this large circular, I think it was meant to be, I think it was a Pac-Man, but it was red. And it was trying to eat our house because it really wanted our Christmas tree. At least that's what I recall from my dream. When I wake up from dreams, typically I go, oh, that was odd. Boy, I don't know what that was. Or you have those moments, you've ever woken up from a dream and you're not sure if it's real for a moment? And you have that kind of in-between time? But at some point you go, okay, that was too bizarre. That was not. Do you get what Joseph just was told in a dream? I mean, Mary and Zachariah got angels. At least they were awake and cognizant. And here's this glowing figure in front of them. Joseph just gets a dream. And in the dream, he's told this. God got your fiance pregnant. And he's the Messiah that we've all been waiting for. And by the way, I don't want you to follow tradition and name him after yourself. I want you to name him Jesus. And then he has to wake up and go, huh. (laughs) God's provision is often not what we expect. And it rarely just fixes the problem. Usually, we have to live into that provision. I mean, Joseph is going to have to get up from this dream and go do something with what God has given him, and he's going to have to trust because it was a dream, and he has no evidence once he wakes up. Just like Abraham gets to this place hundreds of miles away, and every morning he has to wake up with no evidence that I just totally messed my life up. Like I just walked away from the whole family business. God's provision is often not what we think. And I think it's even easy to miss. It could, Joseph could have missed this completely. Think about the other Joseph. We all know the Joseph from Genesis, right? You know his story? He's the youngest. He is God's favorite. He loves the Lord. And what happens to him? His brothers sell him into slavery. Then he gets accused of something he didn't do and thrown into prison. Does this look like God providing? And yet at the end of his life, when he meets his brothers again, he has that famous line, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. And we see that Joseph's life ends up being what God uses to not only provide for Joseph, but to provide for the family and for the line that God has created that the Messiah will come from. The provision is often something that we might even miss. Why doesn't Joseph miss it? Hear this. I believe we most often see God's provision when we are following after the heart of God. We are most attuned to what God is doing when our hearts are in tune with his. And when they're off, it's far easier to think God's not doing anything. 
Right. Go back with me. I, wanna, I said I was going to talk about this. Look back at verse 19. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law. Right, this is a righteous man. He knows God's law. He knows what God wants from him. He knows he must divorce her because that's what he's called to do. And he's a faithful man. He wants to follow the law. He knows what it is to follow God. But notice this. Yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace. Do you have any idea what that will cost him? It will probably cost him the rest of his life. Because if he had publicly stood up and said, I am divorcing you, you have been unfaithful to me, then everyone wouldn't be, oh, he still has his honor. He can move on with his life. He can go remarry. His business would be fine. All of it. But by doing it quietly, by protecting Mary, he risks his own reputation seriously. Because there's always going to be the question, well, why didn't he? What really happened? Why wasn't he righteous enough to stand up and do what the law called him to do? And it will impact him the rest of his life and bring shame on him. Why is he like this? Because that is the exact heart of God. The season we're in right now, what we are celebrating is the coming of Jesus. Why? Why did Jesus come? For two reasons. To fulfill the law and to show mercy to God's people. Both things. Jesus came because you and I are incapable of serving God in the way we need to. Our sins fill our lives. We cannot obey the law, but he could. And so he came and he fulfilled the law completely. And then instead of standing up in public and going, all of you, look what I did. He goes to the cross to be our savior. So that our shame could be covered. Our sins could be covered. Do you know how much shame you get by going to the cross? It is the most shameful punishment in the Roman Empire. He took that for us. What Joseph is doing right here, I think he is doing because he has the heart of God. This is what God is like. And the closer we are to the heart of God, the more likely it is we will see and understand what it is God is doing. So something has started happening in my life. It stinks. I used to be the technological wizard of the family. And being a dad, that is something you take pride in. You are the one that knows what's going on on all the devices. You are the one that can fix everything. My children are beginning to surpass me in certain areas. There are things they can do that I just... It's driving me nuts. Every once in a while, we still have moments where the, my daughter will go, Dad, I need help. I'm like, yes, here I am. Pick me, I can do it. But here's one of the things that I've seen. My boys really love Minecraft. And they will share things with me. 
both of them in their own ways. They will share things with me about Minecraft. And they start talking, and about every third word, I have no idea what they're talking about. I just smile at them. Like, I'm so glad my boys want to share with me. But they're speaking Minecraftian. And I don't know Minecraftian. Like, I don't understand half of what they're talking about. And then they will show me stuff they're doing, and some of it is really cool. And some of it I'm looking at it going, it looks like little Atari blocks from like 1970. Like, I don't even know what some of these little figures are. I don't understand because I don't speak Minecraftian. And that means I miss a lot of the stuff they're showing me. I miss some of what they're communicating because I don't have a heart after Minecraft like my boys do. Joseph was attuned to the heart of God. And it let him see this dream, not as a fever dream because of the pizza he had the night before, but as God's provision in his life. When we're following the heart of God, we're more likely to see the provision of God. But then, once we have that provision, the next step and the final step is what Joseph does with it. Look back at your text at verse 22. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophets. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. He took that provision and he stepped into it. He took what God had provided for him in order to serve the Lord. And Joseph said, I'm going to do it. And he goes even beyond what was directly told to him. And he took Mary home to, as his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. That's the first thing that Joseph does that wasn't even commanded for him to do. He takes her home and he says, this will be my wife. I don't care what shame is brought on me or what happens. The Lord has told me to do this and I'm going to follow through because I know this is God's plan. And that's enough for me. That's all the provision I need. This is what God wants. But he does not consummate the marriage until Jesus is born. There could be no mistaking that this son of Mary did not come from Joseph. This son of Mary came from God. Now the rest of their kids, they belong to Joseph. But he did not consummate the marriage until after the birth of Christ. And... He, came, he gave him the name Jesus, much like Zechariah. This is really a big moment of obedience because this is so against the culture. Joseph would have named his firstborn, even adopted after himself. He would have had the family name. But instead, he names him Jesus. When we get God's provision in our lives, will we then step into that provision? Will we trust what he has told us, how he has strengthened us, what he's given to us? 
Because I don't know about you, but tell me if you're not good at occasionally doing something like this. Have you ever heard a really good word? Maybe a friend told you something. Maybe it was a sermon. Maybe you were reading the scriptures and you went, that is so good. But then didn't really step into faith and live that out. The provision of God needs to be lived into even as Joseph lived into it. So, God wants to provide. And he does provide. He once told Paul when Paul was going through a challenging time and Paul is praying, God, please take this away. And God said, my grace is already sufficient for you. My provision is already there. I need you to live into this. God wants to provide for you. The closer you are to the heart of God, the more you are following after him, the more likely it is you'll see that provision. But even as we see it, we have to live into it for it to be real. That's our hope. So the scientists that discovered this millipede, they don't think it's the biggest one. They think there's probably more down there that have even more than 1,300 legs. And here's why. I'm going to tell you something about a millipede that you probably didn't know. A millipede is only born with eight legs. Over time, they develop more and more segments of their body. And they just keep growing and more and more legs keep coming. Just more and more segments are added on. And if the scientists are right, as those segments are added on, it's letting them traverse the terrain even better. The same thing is true in the Christian life. The more we step out in faith and serve him, the more we see him work. And the more we see him work, the more we grow in our faith. And the more we can step into, on a regular basis, the provision God has. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and all the provision that you give to us. Lord, sometimes it is hard to see. Sometimes we want more. Lord, would you help us to see what you do give to us? Lord, give us the eyes and the heart that we might faithfully live into what you are providing, that we might faithfully serve you as disciples of Jesus and as your children. And it's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen.